A high potential employee is usually in the top 5% of employees in an organization. These people are thought to be the organization's most capable, most motivated, and most likely to ascend to positions of responsibility and power. To help these employees prepare for leadership roles in a thoughtful, efficient manner, companies often institute formal high potential programs. Today, we're discussing how some of those chosen elite don't belong there and how to spot the truly high potentials in your organization. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zenger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is renowned psychometrician and my father, Joe Folkman. Okay, I have some burning questions about hypos. Is being selected as a hypo a secret thing that only certain people in the organization know about and the person who is the hypo doesn't know because if they did know, they might get a big head and think they're better than everybody else, like those kids who were in the gifted program at school who thought they were so great, but actually they just had to do more work than the rest of us. <laughs> well, Bree, it, it, it changes by organization. Some organizations... Uh, they do tell people they're a hypo and in other organizations, they keep it a secret, but it's not really a secret because they, they go through some development programs. But by the way, I thought you were in the gifted program, but just not in math. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. I, I was, I was not, I think I did some AP classes. I did AP calculus and I spent one week in there and I went, why, why am I doing this to myself? This is terrible. <laughs> I quickly left. <laughs> Well, now that we got that out of the way, uh, we should probably get the most shocking news about this super elite group of hypos out of the way. Well, I, I I'm suggest you're referring to the fact that in our data, more than 40% of individuals in our hypo programs may not belong there. Ah, yes, that's it. That's it. I will say it again for you people, 40% of hypos should not have been picked. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, what do you mean by that? So uh, why don't you elaborate? Well, we collected data uh, from 1,964 employees from three different organizations who were designated as high potentials. We also measured their leadership capability using a 360-degree assessment. So a previous work we'd done with these organizations had shown that the 360 assessment technique was highly correlated with organizational outcomes, such as employee engagement, lower turnover, higher productivity. All the things people want. Yeah. And, and so it was a valid assessment. It, was, it really did predict outcomes, which is what you want. And so we knew that some people were better leaders than others. Now, the 360, keep in mind that high potential employees should be in the top five or 10%, at a minimum, the top quartile. But when we looked at the participants in these different hypo programs, 12% were actually in the bottom quartile in terms of their leadership effectiveness. So 12% of the people that they put in the company gifted program were literally the worst leaders in the organization. 
I mean, bottom quartile is straight up failing. What about the rest? Well, they, they might not have been failing overall, but they weren't talented leaders. Overall, 42% okay, okay. were below average, right, on their leadership mm-hmm. effectiveness. Now, that's a long way from the top 5% to which they supposedly belonged. Yes, yes, it is a long way. So how were these individuals chosen? What, what was the criteria then? Well, when we looked, we found that in the three organizations, there were four common factors that these individuals possessed. Now, first was technical professional expertise. Often it's said that the person most likely to be promoted is the best engineer or chemist or programmer or accountant, right? Mm-hmm. Having deep knowledge and expertise goes a long way in terms of getting a person noticed and valued. And it's true that technical expertise does matter for managers. However, it's essential to understand that what got you invited to the party is not enough to keep you at the party. Yes. Jack and I actually discussed that problem a lot in our last episode, um, how sometimes the most productive people don't always make the best managers. So what else? Well, the next one was taking initiative and delivering results. Senior leaders in organizations were willing to look beyond poor performance in soft skills for a person who was consistently delivering and they were self-motivated and productive. Now, this shouldn't be surprising when we ask over 85,000 managers what was the most important competencies for a person to do well to be successful. The managers, their number one choice was drive for results, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, results do matter. But what also makes a difference is how those results were achieved. Sometimes a top individual contributor should stay in an individual contributor role and not become a manager. That's true. Uh, The third issue was consistently honoring commitments. Uh, When they say it will be done, it gets done. Inevitably, this creates trust in an individual and their willingness to, to look past other skills that are not excellent. Uh, There's no apparent downside to this skill until a person gets promoted and they become overwhelmed with too many uh, responsibilities and assignments they have committed to achieving. So that's the downside. Do you think this happens because they don't trust their direct reports enough to delegate these, this onslaught of assignments and, and they're not involving others? Yeah, This leaves them drowning in commitments, but it also shows a lack of long-term thinking, a kind of a ready, fire, aim approach. Hmm. Well, the last issue that we found was fitting into the culture of the organization. In addition to these skills, we found that underperforming people in hypo programs tend to emphasize a specific trait valued by their organization. When one organization, for example, had a culture that placed a great deal of weight on being nice. (laughs) Employees who who showed consideration and concern for others uh, would occasionally be considered hypos, even though they lacked other leadership skills because they fit the culture. The two other organizations valued people who volunteered for programs or took initiative. People with those skills were rewarded by being included in the hypo program, even though they weren't effective on 
other parts of their jobs. So paying attention to what's valued in an organization can help an individual get noticed. Interesting. So at least in that organization, nice guys don't finish last in the workplace. Or maybe they do because 12% were in the bottom quartile. (laughs) I'm, I'm still trying to process that. So those were the great skills that got all of these high potential employees notice. Were there any common areas that they were underperforming in? Oh, yes, absolutely. Strategic vision and the ability to inspire and motivate others were two areas. And, you know, when filling their hypo programs, organizations should look for people who show signs of having these skills, which are very important as you climb the ladder and not place quite so much emphasis on things like cultural fit or individual results. For organizations, there are several risks to fill in your hypo programs with people who don't actually possess leadership potential. Yeah. Yeah, and higher level leaders may be lulled into the assumption that they have an adequate leadership pipeline when in reality, they have less than half of the pipeline they thought. Just as bad, the organization may be missing out on people who would make great leaders, even if they don't fit the stereotype of high potentials. That is a very interesting statement, that stereotype that we have, how a high potential should look. And this situation is hardly any better for people in the hypo program who aren't likely to flourish in these senior management roles that will be bestowed upon them. These people may assume that their career is on track when in reality, they've been steered into a a career direction that's frankly less than ideal for them. And I'm sure these misplaced members of the hypo group were often extremely effective individual contributors, even if they weren't equipped for a senior role. So you've founded two companies and you've seen a lot of management, go through the pipeline. Have you ever seen this situation played out in your own personal experience of someone who was selected that it wasn't really the right place for them? Well, I can give you a really good example. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> in really? in uh, one firm, a management consulting firm that uh, I was a managing partner in, uh, we had the role of managing partner. And uh, I was put in that role and uh, I was excited about doing it. I thought I could make a great contribution and I did okay. I, I, I was a good managing partner. But what I noticed in that role is when I was in that role, I spent a lot of time on administration. I, took, I spent a lot of time with conflicts between employees and rivel and ravel and this and that. Mm. And we were building a building and that took an enormous amount of my time. And I wasn't writing. I wasn't uh, having a lot of uh, work with direct clients. And I really missed that. And so I decided I would be much better and, and I'd contribute more to the organization by not being in that leadership role and by being in a a role that allowed me to do writing and research and consulting. So that's what I learned. That's a really good example. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, I think a lot of times we look at these coveted 
leadership roles or career roles and think we have to have them because they will signify to the world that we have truly made it. And it takes courage to step away and recognize that maybe this is not the right position for you and you can better serve the organization and yourself by being somewhere else. And what's really difficult is these frankly, really valuable individual contributors are people the organization wants and needs to retain, which may be another reason they've been funneled into the hypo program so they can keep a hold of them. Perhaps senior management needs to come up with a more imaginative way to reward top contributors than these sought-after positions that aren't really right for them. It's true. When organizations push their top contributors into management roles in which they won't thrive, uh, that is a problem. However, they're running the risk of losing those individual contributors and demotivating the people who are now reporting to them uh, and to an incompetent boss. Hmm. And they're losing them as well. But all is not necessarily lost. Underqualified people in the hypo program who truly do aspire to senior positions in organizations should focus on learning and practicing leadership skills required. We strongly believe that hypos with leadership deficiencies can eventually become excellent leaders, but the majority of those with poor skills don't realize their problems. They don't, they think they're all excellent. They're a hypo for heaven's sake. So mm -hmm. they're great. Being part of the hypo program masks their shortcomings. So hypos need to have an accurate leadership assessment and then take an honest look in the mirror and decide what they need to learn. As for the managers running the hypo program and selecting people to be in them, we suggest they be a little more careful about who they anoint. Yes, and if you're looking for a little more research, guidance, and direction in your succession planning efforts for your organization, then we want to invite you to attend our webinar this month with Jack Sanger and Joe. They'll be discussing how to simplify the process and the benefits of using strengths-based development tools and 360s to help you. Be sure to register at the link in our episode notes. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast, was written and recorded by Brianna Corin and Joe Folkman and produced by Zanger Folkman with music by Pleasant Pictures. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a review. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in the episode details or in our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.